Hello and welcome to a podcast for the talk, the sermon from Sunday the 20th of September. My name is Scott. The reading for our Sunday service is from the end of the short book of Jonah and how nice it is to have a reading from a book which is tucked away deep within the Old Testament. Most readers of the Bible think that the story of Jonah is a made-up story. Much within this fantastic story has been exaggerated beyond belief and not just the whale or the big fish. Now there was a real Jonah in the Bible. He was a prophet who lived when Israel and Judah were under a whole line of kings, each following one another, going right back to King David. Each king is listed in the Bible how long they served and then one of two short statements assessing their time as king. The Bible concludes either he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord or he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And there are more that did evil than did right. And their people, God's people, are divided, conquered, sent into exile to places far off in the north, such as the city of Nineveh. The real Jonah, he holds the office of a prophet. He is to speak the word of God to the king. He works at the time of a king called Jeroboam. Now, he, in political terms, seems to have been a bit of a success. He reigned for a very impressive 41 years. He extended the boundaries of Israel and even today has a three-litre bottle of champagne named after him, a Jeroboam. But in conclusion, says the Bible, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. In the book of Jonah, the word of the Lord comes and says to him, go to Nineveh and preach. Nineveh is a real place, but in our story, it is exaggerated. It takes three days to walk from one side to the other. It is full of foreigners, of pagans, and Jonah, he has no care for them. He runs away and takes a boat in a different direction, the direction of Gibraltar. The storm that then envelops the boat is huge, so great that the pagan sailors recognize that this storm is from God. And each of them turn to their foreign gods and they pray. Jonah, meanwhile, is asleep in the hold, having turned away from his God, from our God. How can you sleep, says the captain? Get up and pray to your God. So says the pagan to the man of God. The sailors roll their pagan dice and by magic, Jonah is shown to be the man under a curse. And so the pagans have found, have discovered our God, even though the prophet of God has tried to run away and then hide away. 
The sailors even understand something of the love of God. They do not attack Jonah. They do not kill Jonah. Instead, they try and save him. They work harder. They row harder. They throw cargo overboard to lighten the ship until eventually Jonah instructs them to stop and instead throw him overboard and save themselves. Even now, Jonah lacks the moral strength simply to throw himself off the ship, but needs the reluctant sailors to do the deed, to do the work of our God. They throw Jonah off the boat, the sea is stilled, and Jonah is swallowed up by a great fish, the Leviathan, the whale. There, in the belly of the whale, Jonah stays, entombed for three days and three nights, until the Lord commands the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. After, uh, we hope, a shower, he enters through the gates of the great city of Nineveh, ones that lasted uh, through time until they were destroyed four years ago by those claiming to represent God. In our story, I imagine a tired and grumpy Jonah reluctantly doing his job and telling the people the judgment of the Lord. Forty days more, and you evil Ninevites will be destroyed. No word of hope in the message of Jonah. No message of God's love in his word, or of any possibility of salvation. Instead, an attitude of, I don't really want to be here. I've told you what's going to happen. I've done my job, and now, now I just want to go home. Only this time, I'm going to walk and perhaps not take that whale. What happened next? Well, when my grandma died, we had to sell her house. Many came to view it, and on one occasion, it was my job to show a couple round. I found them rude and past remarkable. The man especially seemed to take pleasure in finding faults around the house and pointing them out to his wife. Somewhat irritated, I joined in as I showed them every single fault that I knew, however small it might be, as we went around the house. I was so thorough. I wished them goodbye and I shut the door. They bought the house. What happened next in Nineveh? Next in this fantastic exaggerated story, the opposite of what should have happened, happens. The word of God spreads like wildfire across Nineveh from the moment the prophet opens his mouth. All the pagan people and even the pagan king hear the word. They realize that they are in the wrong and they change. They change fast. Even the animals go without food and water. And who knows, says the king. Who knows, maybe God may yet show his compassion and may yet turn from his fierce anger. 
not that in his mind. The Ninevites are spared. Now the stage is set. Back with Jonah. For Jonah now surpasses himself. He is not at all happy and has the mother of all sulks. Is this not why I ran away? I knew that you are a gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. <sighs> what a waste of my time. And now, God, take away my life. The Lord calmly says, Do you have any right to be angry? But Jonah sticks to his guns, makes his point, sits down in the hot sun and continues his sulk. To make his point, God sends a miraculous vine, growing as quickly as Jack's beanstalk, giving protection to Jonah from the sun and the cool of the night, even whilst he sulks. The next morning, Mother Nature downscales, going from a whale to a worm, a worm that destroys the vine. God then turns up the heat of the sun to full, and Jonah feels worse than ever and angrier than ever. He's a long way from home, and God will still not leave the prophet alone. The Lord calmly says, Do you have any right to be angry? You have concern for this vine, a mere plant, even though you have not made it? I, the Lord, have made it and I am concerned for it. How much more the great city of Nineveh? I, the Lord, have made it, and I am concerned for it, for in it are a hundred and twenty thousand people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. Should I not be concerned about that great city, says the Lord? Most of us, I think, know our left from our right, but we are in truth equally helpless and equally in need of God. And what are we that God is mindful of us? Our world today seems strange and alien. Do we hide away or run away or do we choose to try, to at least try to show the love of God, his grace, his compassion, and unlike Jonah, to season our lives with hope and the joy of salvation. The story of Jonah is a short book within our Bible. It holds that message of the love and care of our God for us and all people, and stands against those who are religious but misrepresent God. It therefore has to sneak almost unseen into our Bible, to quietly stand witness against and alongside other louder voices in our Bible who represent God in a more exclusive and excluding way framed often by tradition and nationalism. 
centuries later, our friend Jesus meets the religious who still misrepresent God and they hear not the love song which he brings. Today, we are called to go out into the world and represent God with reverence and fear. For if we do not, who will? <laughs>